Welcome to Anxiety and the Artist, the podcast that explores artist relationship with anxiety, offering insight and inspiration. I'm your host, Allison Chef. Today's episode is part two of my conversation with the thriving artist, Joe Abraham and Christine Negrebon. My guest today is Christine Negrebon. Christine is an accomplished actor, director, and choreographer known for her work on national tours and on the West Coast. She is the co-founder and author of The Thriving Artists, a business she created with her husband, Joe Abraham, which helps artists find their best thriving life, both artistically and financially. She is also a mother to two inquisitive and adorable sons. Christine, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. And what a nice way to talk about my children who drive me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen your children in years, but from what I remember of them, they were very inquisitive and adorable. So they are. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your background and your relationship with anxiety. So um, I always experienced anxiety in the auditioning process. I am not okay. a great auditioner. In fact, I sometimes feel like if I, if, if I could just get to the callback, I'd book the job. Um, and I, I don't, I never, I'm not great about self-evaluation at times. It's, um, it's not one of my strong suits. Um, I'm missing that tool out of my toolbox. Um, mm -hmm. and I found that the bigger the audition, obviously for a Broadway or national tour, the more anxious I would get. And sometimes it was, I couldn't even like, I wasn't aware of it. Right. Like right. my stomach would just be upset or, um, you know, vice, like any of those things. And that got to be really frustrating because when you've done the work, you've you've coached, you've studied this and the other thing, you're like, that should go away. <laughs> this should right? go away. <laughs> um, and it, it didn't. And so I'm actually, I've been okay with not auditioning a lot lately because I don't miss that part. Right. Right. And I would get anxious um, if I did book up like the lead of a show. When I was mm -hmm. the lead of the show, I would be very anxious before opening. Um, hmm. And again, not because I wasn't, perfectly settled in the role or whatever. And, and, um, uh, it's worth the anxiety. So that's an interesting thing. All of those things were worth the anxiety of booking mm -hmm. the role and doing the role, but it's intense. It's intense and can be overwhelming. Right. Everybody I talk to has audition anxiety. I don't think I have spoken to one person who hasn't had audition anxiety. So what's the solution, I guess? Like, are, as as people in leadership positions, like what can we do to help make the audition process less stressful? Right. And you know what's funny, Allison, is that because I'm out here in Los Angeles and I'm more of a choreographer uh, lately, I'm mm -hmm. behind the table. Mm -hmm. And truly, the people behind the table do not want the, aud aud the auditors, the aud people auditioning, to be anxious. We want right. them to be fully at ease and fully present and able to present their best foot forward. And I know that as an actor, when I'm on the other side of it, I know that I, mm -hmm. um, and I find actually my anxiety goes up the more people I know behind the table. Right. So that's an interesting thing too. Um, when I know less people, it's easier. Right. Um, mm -hmm. um, and I don't know how to quell that. I wish I did. Um, mm -hmm. I do think the one, obviously the best thing you can do is to be so secure in your material that you've coached on it every which way on your head in the morning at night. You know what I mean? Right. That helps. That does help me. Um, but after that, um, 
I know that a lot of my friends who've auditioned for me say that I, when I'm behind the table, table, I help them so much because what I try to do is I try to smile. I try to smile and put them at ease and and Mm -hmm. like, you know, give them that like leaning forward, look like you're doing great. You're doing great. Um, So maybe anyone in a position of behind the table could do that, that I know Mm -hmm. that is useful Um, and just positive feedback and, you know, not being standoffish or, you know, grumpy or any of that stuff. Cause that's immediately going to set us on our heels. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you and your husband, Joe, have written a book called The Thriving Artists. Tell us about your book and how it came about. So it, um, we started writing it in 2006 and it came out in 2013. So it took us seven years to, to, to get, I, I, children were easier to birth than that. (laughs) 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 Because we wrote as we started writing the book. And the reason we started writing the book is that we were both starting to give a lot of workshops and seminars in New York. And I remember Joe was giving one to, I think a bunch of like college students and he had like an hour or two hours to speak. And he was like, he came back and he was like, I I didn't even get to say an eighth of the things I wanted to talk about today. Mm -hmm. He's like, God, it's so frustrating. Like I just, I have so many things I just want to tell people and help and impart. And I was like, well, let's write a book. And that was it. Like we, that was it. And we just went out and then we went. Um, So we started writing the book in New York and then we went on tour and we were still writing the book. And then we moved to Los Angeles. And so the book kept um, changing and morphing and we kept wanting to put in more information because now we're doing more TV and film and Los Angeles is a very different scene than New York. And then, you know, um, there was like the recession in 2008 and things changed again. And that like, there was so many things that changed. So But after a while, we had to just be like, okay, we have to stop it here and then we'll write a second edition. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So we did. And that was good. Um, And it's really been um, one of the things I'm most proud of in my life Mm -hmm. um, that we are published authors and that um, that book has been so useful. It's used in um, it's being used currently in two colleges right now, uh, Ithaca and Hush in L.A., um, that we know of, it's used elsewhere. And so-, and so what does it mean to be a thriving artist? For us, there's five points of being a thriving artist that it's in your head first, like your supercomputer. Um, mm-hmm. Then, So if all of these things are working at the same time, you're considered a thriving artist. So your head is in the right place, right? Which in these times <laughs> is very challenging, but, but ever so true. And then mm-hmm. goals, and then um, marketing, and then networking, and then your finances. The half of the book is spent on finances because as artists, um, often that piece is missing out of our lives, whether from our upbringing or from our schooling. Schools Mm -hmm. are getting better about entrepreneurship and finances, but still there's there's this awful mentality that you're, if you're an artist and you're not starving, you're not like, oh, you're not suffering for your art. And it's so, I hate that. Like I couldn't hate it more. Right. There's actually a picture in the, if you like Google like Wikipedia or something, there actually is a, a, a starving artist picture. It's like this artist in like this <laughs> like slanted roof that's leaking. He looks like he's on death's door. He's, but he's an artiste. He's like suffering, but there's no picture of a thriving artist. So, um, interesting. Yeah. We were like, they're, ha- you know, thriving, you know, bountiful and flourishing and all of those things. So, um, and what we found is the financial piece mm-hmm. and the networking piece are the p- two pieces that um, 
deal with more about the tools in your toolkit. The headpiece too, actually. Goals, anybody can write down goals and like come up with the steps. Anyone can uh, make a good website, take good headshots, make sure your resume is in order, you know, you're uh, real and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. networking and finances take more, like a full person, especially networking, um, so that you're a real person and not just this hungry, desperate artist that nobody wants to be around or work with. Um, right, you know. right. And then the financial piece is like you have to do a lot of digging to find out what your financial wiring is, and you may not even be aware of it, mm-hmm. um, and then rework it to make it work for you. Because the money part of this business is why a lot of people leave the industry, because right. they just can't make it work. They're just always surviving, 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 and not thriving. Right, right. A lot of artists are struggling financially during COVID. What are some steps that we can be taking right now to set ourselves up for financial success in the future? You have to, everyone has to give themselves grace in this time, right? And I say that to all, to anyone, I I try to say it to myself. I try to say it to anyone I'm teaching or coaching, like grace must be given. I think at all times in life, but especially at this time, right? Right. Um, So obviously you can do some work, you can read some books, you can learn about a Roth IRA and you can learn about a 401k, but if there's just no money coming in, there's just no money coming in. And then, you know, right. what are you going to do? But, um, right. but you can start um, building your knowledge so that when the money does come in, you'll know what to do with it. Coming up, Christine and I chat about comparison and parenting. Let's talk about the danger of comparison. Um, So we are in the age of social media. Um, It's easy to scroll through your Facebook feed or whatever social media feed and and compare your life and your career to those around you and to your colleagues. Um, And it's also something that is so ingrained in our culture and in our industry. Mm. Um, So... As a coach and as an artist yourself, what advice do you have for artists who are constantly comparing their achievements? Joe and I were just talking about this the other night because a couple of friends of ours, actually a bunch of our friends of ours have really gotten into really good shape in this time. We feel like we have not. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't gained the COVID-19, but there's definitely the COVID squish um, that, you know, um, is okay, right? It's okay. Um, And we were comparing ourselves, right? And kind of Mm -hmm. feeling bad about that. And then I had to go, okay, but what have, okay, maybe we haven't done that, but what have we done? And so I think that that would be a useful tip for anyone feeling that comparison and their shoulders starting to go up to their ears and going, oh my God, what have I done? Mm -hmm. Write down what you've done. Literally put pen to paper and be like, since March 13th, 14th, 15th, this is what I've done. Um, you know, I've gotten my website up. I worked on three new audition songs. I've read seven plays. I've, you know, I've done all these things. I've taken a voiceover workshop online, right? Write down the things that you have done so that, because what, what gets measured and what gets monitored gets done and gets like, you can look at that and go, Oh God, I've actually done 10 amazing things for my career. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would say that then the other thing is, um, go outside. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like in these times, if we, any of us are feeling like 
caved in. If we get outside and we get a walk in or a run or a hike, or luckily we live in California, so the weather is more you know conducive to that. Getting outside has been a savior for our family mm-hmm. in this time period and the comparison game, right? Um, right. Other than that, just get off social media. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Or just yeah. limit your time on social media. Like post what you need to post, interact with what you need to do for your art, right? Because I know as artists, that is part of the game of keeping yourself, um, you know, uh, in the industry and in the know and all of that stuff. Marketing, managing, all that stuff. I get it. Right. It just, and it's it's such a fine line. Like going back to the marketing thing, like you have to market yourself. Yep. And I feel like I, watching some of the stuff that people are posting right now, thinking that they are marketing themselves and you're not even just right now in general seeing stuff that that some artists are posting and it's like yeah that's not helping you nope <laughs> nope that's that's not serving you um so also knowing like having a working knowledge of what marketing is and and getting help with that if you need it too i think is absolutely is helpful and you I know f- i find don't just put stuff up about the business Right. Have a, a video. Be a of person. Your, be, a, be, a, be a human, a painting that you did or um, you playing soccer or something, right? Something other than being an actor or a singer or a dancer. Um, right, right. What I, what I am seeing a lot of that I think is a good thing in this time is people creating. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing people put themselves out on social media, which I think is very brave. I'm not, that's not my, um, I, I admire it. Um, having two kids at home 24 seven makes my, makes it harder for us. It doesn't mean we couldn't do it because you can do what you want to get done. Right. But I've right. seen friends of mine just being like, I just felt like creating and they just created a dance piece with that, themselves in a sofa. And I was like, that's amazing. Right. And, and for that, I think um, social media can be great because then I look at that as a choreographer going, Ooh, they'd be a great dance captain or they'd be a good associate choreographer. Cause look at their, you know, Right. So in some ways it can be actually very good um, if you can get out of your own way and then get out of your own head. Right. <laughs> As a woman, <laughs> I feel constant pressure. I feel many things. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, but as a woman, I feel a constant pressure to do it all and to have it all. And part of that is my personality. But it's also, I feel something that's really... Um, uh, ingrained in our society. Um, and <laughs> like there's, I can't remember who said it, but one woman said, you know, I've leaned in so far I've fallen over. Like, <laughs> and like, that's really how I feel half the time. Um, but specifically when it comes to having a career in addition to having a family and you're a working mom. And I'm so I'm curious, <laughs> I'm curious. I mean, and I, and I know that you've, you know, faced challenges with that. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are on being a working actor, but also raising children at the same time. You're going to feel like you're never doing any of it to its fullest extent or fullest capacity. And you have to be okay with that. Hmm. Um, you're never going to feel like you can fully be with your kids because you should be, you know, learning a new song or watching this and that and the other thing. And then when you do book work and say you're out of town, specifically like you're out of town doing a show or you're shooting a movie or something like that and, and, and kids are home, back home, you're going to miss them and feel guilty, but then you also feel happy because you're away and you're doing what you love. But then 
And um, when I was doing Oklahoma at Pennsylvania Shakespeare Festival, I only had one child at the time. And I was gone for about four weeks. And then Joe came out like with two weeks left of the contract. And I, um, the woman who played Aunt Eller had four kids. And I was like, you know, kind of down one day. And she's like, you miss your, your boy, don't you? And I was like, yeah, you know, and she's like, oh, Christine, she goes, it's just, it's just being a mother and in the industry. And, and I don't want to say, cause dads feel it too. Working dads feel, feel it as well. Um, mm-hmm. so, um, and it's just not going to go away. So you just have to be okay with it. Um, the good thing about being a parent and an artist is that I feel like you don't get as bogged down in the what comes after the auditions or if you don't book the job or if something doesn't go your way, right? So if you have like a an audition and it doesn't go your way, you know, a lot of times, like back in New York when we were all single without kids um, and not even married, right? Like you could really get like, into that and you know right right I don't have ain't nobody got time for that right when right. you have kids and and it's not uh like you're wrong if you don't have kids and you're wrong if you do have kids it's just is what it is there's no time like you're just like okay great that happened I gotta go pick up my kids from school and make sure they did their homework right and it just is these are just facts and so that's a beautiful thing because you don't you just move on you're like great next you know right um but then you also need to make sure that you're taking stock of, well, why didn't that go well? Why didn't mm-hmm. that? Oh, so then there's that part of it too. What are some tools that you have found helpful in mitigating your anxiety during COVID and also like in the audition room? So back to the audition room first, um, what always works best for me is obviously coach, 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 practice, 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 leave no stone unturned. Because mm-hmm. I feel like you get anxious if there's anything that you're like, ooh, this doesn't feel great, right? Like, I don't know if I can hit that note or I haven't been able to really scour through the script or just not nerving. So that's number one. Number two, you really do have to tell yourself that the people behind the table, I'd say 99 point very high percentage of the time, really do want you to be the best. They do. Mm-hmm. They want, they have a problem and they want you to solve it. Right. You know, after that, you just have to find out what works for you. So for an audition day, like if you get anxious that day, do you need to go to the gym and like work out really hard, right? Do you need to go for a long walk outside? Do you need to meditate? Do you, you have to figure out then what works for you, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're grounded and that anxiety doesn't come in. As far as with COVID and anxiety, um, I'm dealing actually with it today. I find that, um, well, because I'm doing a catering job tonight, Hmm. my first one, that's like a real catering job. Like I'm bartending now. Um, I don't know a lot about the event, um, which gives me anxiety. Um, we Hmm. are the, all guests are getting double tested. All staff is getting rapid tested. So that's Hmm. great. Um, I still want to wear a mask because I feel that's the best way to stay safe after, you know, I don't know if that will be allowed because I don't know anything about this event. So that's giving me anxiety. So I have to go, okay, you don't know. So don't get upset about it. Like I kind of just have to like, you know, Mm -hmm. set myself at ease. What I've found in these times is that if I get anxious about something, like before the first time, I kind of, there's not much I can do about it other than just like, you know what you're doing, you know, like, I can't imagine the first time we have to audition back in person, what that's, what that's going to be like, right? <laughs> you know, or take a dance, a dance audition, like, oh my God. Um, 
and you, I think you just have to, uh, you just have to be secure in your talent, your, who you are, you know, and where you are. Um, mm-hmm. and, then, and know your boundaries, I yeah, think. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And know you your know? boundaries. Yeah. Exactly. If you're, if you are uncomfortable and you don't feel safe, then you don't do speak it. Speak up. Then mm-hmm. you don't do it. You know, mm-hmm. okay with that. I'm learning that more and more, the older you get, you literally have to call, you have to call the BS, right? Yeah. If, if you're not comfortable, you can't sacrifice your integrity or your sanity for somebody else. Yep. So, and it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to do because I'm a Libra and I want to run from confrontation, run screaming the other way. Right. <laughs> but you can't. Right. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Talk to me about parenting a child with anxiety. Parents are amazing people. They raised two awesome kids. They were raised in a in a generation that didn't talk about a lot of stuff, that mm-hmm. kept a lot of things under wraps. And so I think I'm pretty well-adjusted human. And I think I, in my marriage, life's been pretty good and all that stuff. Where I find that I'm missing some tools in my toolkit is as a parent. Um, and then my oldest son has um, severe ADHD and when usually um, someone has a condition like ADD or ADHD or OCD or um, any of those, they have a coexisting condition as well. So whether they have anxiety or depression or if they have um, ADD, they also may have OCD or something like that. And that is that is very typical. Hmm. So Cole, um, we've known about his ADD since he was um, from like first grade and a second grade. Um, and lately, I'd say in the past um, two years, year and a half, his anxiety has gotten um, overwhelming. Hmm. Um, anxiety to the point where he doesn't like to go on highways anymore. And that's hard when you live in Los Angeles. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's highways everywhere. Um, anxiety now about Joe or I leaving the house. Hmm. He's, he's, um, he's been tolerant of babysitters and people who watch him, and we have great ones. But mm-hmm. now that we've been home for seven, eight months... And if we right. leave, when are you coming home? Will you be back before I go to bed? Well, what, where are you going? What, you know, um, we haven't had a sitter since March. Hmm. And now work is starting to come back for us. And so what we have to do with him, and we don't have him on a, um, anxiety medication. I don't feel confident doing that to a child. I think you absolutely could. Um, I'm sure there's great ones out there. Um, I just, I would rather give him some tools him we just what we we have to tell him the knowns so we have to be like because why he gets anxious on the freeways is that one time many many years ago he threw up in a car because it was early in the morning he ate too much breakfast and my brother-in-law was driving too fast (laughs) (laughs) and he barfed and that freaked him out this was probably five years ago okay um but that anxiety for some reason has come roaring back Hmm. and so we have to be like cole how many times have you been on the highway hundreds, thousands. How many times have you gotten sick? Once. Okay. Remember that one time out of all those times, right? So you kind of, it's kind of the same thing. Like he's gotten pretty severe anxiety now flying on an airplane. Cool. Hmm. Have, have we ever had a problem on an airplane? You know, like, no. Okay. So how many times? So, and so I think with anyone truly anxiety comes up because of, I think of unknowns or fear of what mm-hmm. might be. And so then you kind of mm-hmm. have to go, but what, has happened before. A, why do I have that anxiety? And if, if it's truly founded, well then there's that, but if it's kind of 
unfounded based on one incident, then mm-hmm. you have to do some work on that and be like, out of the 15 times I've auditioned, how many auditions have been great? Most of them, right? I've had that one really crappy one, right? <laughs> that one really bad one that right. scarred me. Then you got to go back right. to that one and figure it out. But um, so, yeah, I find it with kids, um, you kind of just have you we have to be their security blanket. And so as an adult, what is our security blanket? I guess. Right. Right. Well, I think you're doing a great job. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, I, I fail daily, but I, um, <laughs> but I learn and I try, you know what I mean? And it just, it makes you a better human, a better, it makes me a better teacher, parent, all of the above, right? Like you just, again, I just try to give myself grace. Right. Um, and I try not to hear shark music. <laughs> we learned that in parenting. <laughs> when, when your child is doing something wrong and you're going to go discipline them, if you're hearing shark music in your head, don't <laughs> discipline in that moment. Take a moment and try to hear like babbling brook instead of shark music. Right. right. So when you're auditioning, try not to hear shark music. <laughs> Unless you're auditioning for the revival of Jaws or something, I don't know. Right. Or, or Baby Shark Live. Or Baby Shark Live. Um. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks to my guest, Christine Negerbon. For more information on Christine, Joe, and the Thriving Artists, head on over to our website, anxietyandtheartist.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and tell a friend. Until next time, be healthy and stay creative. Anxiety and the Artist is produced by Grost Productions and recorded at Homestead Studios. Music and engineering is by Bosco Chef. This podcast represents the opinions of Allison Chef and her guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.